0: Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful Word from our Sunday service. Well, it's brilliant to have you in church today as we start this whole series on ready and willing, living in obedience and I just know God is going to move today. I'm, I'm going to speak. And then we're actually going to open up time for ministry, for God to move. And I just really believe if we're open, God is going to touch our lives in a special way today. Because He's a God that wants to meet us. He's not a God that just wants to speak to us, just wants to tell us what to do. But He's a God that wants to meet with us, wants to encounter us. So God, we just thank You for the incredible God that You are. And we're praying right now that You show up today. God, I thank You that You are already here, but God, we're asking for You to show up in just a supernatural way, in a way that is fresh, in a way that is anew, that a way that reveals new characteristics about who You are. God, we just pray that for every single one of us that is here today, God, we're asking for You to move in our lives. We're asking that we would hear from You as I speak, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be Your Word. Touching hearts, bringing change to our lives. So God, we just open up our hearts to you right now. We just love you. We just thank you for the amazing God that you are. We just give you all the honour, all the praise. And God, we just pray that you would speak. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Thank you, incredible team. I'm going to ask you back in a moment, but you can can enjoy having your seat. So we're going to turn in our Bibles today to a passage in Mark 10. Verse 17 to 22. And Jesus is starting on his way, and a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him, and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And this, uh, this account in the Gospels, it's also shared in Matthew and Luke as well. And so we know from their accounts, they describe this man as a rich young ruler. And he knew the Old Testament law to a T. He was probably a ruler in the synagogue, uh, the Jewish synagogue, or maybe a ruler in the Jewish courts, but he knew the law through and through. But despite that, there's something in him that knows that he is still lacking. And he comes to Jesus in desperation and he falls at the feet of Jesus and he says, good teacher, good teacher. And Jesus responds back to him. He says, why do you call me good? He's trying to just nudge him at this point. It's only God that's good. It's only me that's good. And then he replies and he he says to him, you know the commandments, to love the Lord, you know all the, he lists off all the commandments and the, the young ruler says, I've kept these commandments since I was a little boy. And Jesus looks at him and I love that point and he loves him. And he says to him, I see what's lacking. And he says, go sell all your possessions, give them to the poor so that you'll have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. See, Jesus looked at that young man and saw that other things had his devotion. It wasn't just about following the law. His wealth had his devotion. And I was, as I was reading the scripture this week, you know, so often as Christians, we can get caught in what does it mean to follow Jesus. Like, give me the list of what it means to follow Jesus. Give me the rules of what it means to follow you, God. But Jesus is like, it's far more than that, guys. Christianity, the essence of Christianity is giving our lives to Jesus Christ. It is giving our full devotion, giving our hearts to Him. And as we do that, obedience comes because we just want to give Jesus everything. We come from that place of devotion, not obligation, So what I want to speak about today is obedience and the question, are we obeying out of devotion or obligation? Obedience, a question, a matter of obligation or devotion. See, obedience is an outcome of following Jesus. It is not a prerequisite for following Jesus. We don't have to be good enough to follow Him. He is the one that makes us good enough. As we follow him, he changes us, he speaks to us, he reveals his word to us, he reveals his ways to us, he leads us to life and life everlasting, but it happens because we follow him, he empowers us, he is with us, he walks with us. I love what C.S. Lewis says, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. See, Christianity, it's about this expanse of life that God wants to lead us into, this life where He is our Lord, where He is our God, where we trust Him because He loves us so much so we know we can walk in His ways because He is a good God and His will towards us, His intention towards us is good so we can trust Him. We can trust his word. We can trust what he asks of us because we're following him and his goodness is so great. See, we can't settle into Christianity that is just the bare minimum of what it means to get to eternal life. Like that rich young ruler, just give me the list, Jesus. Give me the list of what I need to do to get into eternal life, to get into heaven. Just give me the minimum. Give me the minimum of what's needed. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm not giving you the list. I want your whole heart. I want your life. I want your devotion. I want everything. And obedience comes from that place of devotion. Jesus, I love you so much look at what you've done for me, look at how you've set me apart, look at the freedom that I'm walking in because of you. And because of that, we respond to His goodness, knowing how incredible He is, walking in His grace, not walking in our goodness, but allowing Him to lead us. So obedience, a matter of devotional obligation. See, all through Scripture, we see obedience and love going hand in hand. John 14 Verse 23 Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. See, obedience creates this proximity with Jesus. It creates this proximity with the Holy Spirit. It creates this proximity with our Father in heaven because as we obey him, it invites him into our lives to lead us, to reveal who he is to us, to reveal who he wants us to be. It creates incredible proximity. I love what John 14 verse 15, again, Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we can read this and read it almost as a, If we obey, obedience is about proving our love for God, but it's actually far greater than that. If you look at the original Greek, there's actually a note there and it's actually meant to be read more like, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will do it. Because when we love him, we're empowered to obey him. We're empowered to step into what he's asking of us. Love is incredibly empowering. I remember the first time this really clicked for me, when I was, I was about 15 years old, and I was on the side of a hockey field watching my brother, who was about, he was 14 at the time, just the age of our son Zion, and I know for a matter of fact now that that's the age where you're stepping into manhood as a boy. It's the age where, you know, like you're, you're making your mark as a man. And it's, it's not about, you know, what your, who your family is anymore. It's about being your own man. So Brad, my brother, was right at that, that age. And we were all watching him from the sideline. And there was one point in the game where the hockey ball went into my brother's forehead and it split his eyebrow open and blood was going everywhere. And my mum is the most docile, sweet, gentle person... But in that moment, when she saw that happen, she ran onto the hockey field. I remember watching her as fast as she possibly could and yelling at the top of her voice, breath, it's okay, mommy's here. And I remember watching that and dying from the sidelines. Like, mama, how could you do that to him? Do you not realize what you're doing to him right now? Now that I'm a mum of a 14-year-old, I totally get it. I wouldn't just be running onto that hockey field, you know, yelling, hey, mate, it's okay, mum's here. I would be getting a hockey stick and chasing down the boy that would dare to mess with my son. But it's amazing how empowering love is when love takes over. I mean, for me, I never want to... I hated cooking with a vengeance. Craig will tell you, the first seven years of our marriage, I hardly cooked. One day, I put a roast chicken, a chicken in the oven to roast it, forgot about it, and opened the oven three months later, and it was still there. It almost walked back out. Like, I did not enjoy it. And I'm a, I love cleaning. I'm a neat freak. And that, that, I think, four years of marriage, we went only through one bottle of dishwashing liquid. That's how little we did the dishes at home. So I hated cooking. But then our children came along. And all of a sudden, I have kids that want meals. And, and, and this thing is just, you know, they want to live. And this, (laughs) it's a crazy thing. And this, but this thing has taken over of where I love to cook for them. When I was in New Zealand a few weeks ago, I was hunting seven shops to find the curry that the kids like. Like, I, I, I order in special yogurt to make Zion because it's the yogurt that he likes. I'm like, who am I? I've changed because love takes over. It's no longer a task that's needed. It comes out of love. And see, God wants us living in obedience out of that kind of devotion, out of love for him because we adore him. He's been so good to us. He is the God of all gods. He's the God that created us. And so we obey out of this devotion, this love, and it changes obedience from a task, from a rule that we need to do, to the sense of, God, I know you have the best for me. God, I want to follow you. I want to listen to your word. I want to lean into what you are saying because I know you are my God. You're the God that has the best for me. You are Lord of lords and I'm going to trust you because you are sovereign and you are God. I am not. So I'm going to trust your lordship. See, every command he gives us, he places there for our benefit, to set us up for a win. He asks us to love each other, to be selfless with each other, to not be burdensome with each other because He created us for community. He knows we flourish in community. He asks us to honor our father and mother so that life will go well with us. He asks us to praise, not because He needs it, but He knows what it does to our soul. He knows how it lifts our perspective, and He knows how it places Him as Lord over our soul. He asks us, this is a biggie, to honor Him with our bodies, when it comes to sex, that we would do it his way, how he wants us to experience it, not because he wants to ruin our fun, but because he created sex to be within marriage, within the boundaries of marriage between a man and a woman. And he asks us to obey him in that that realm because he's good. He created it. He's got the best intention for us. It's not to rob us, it's to empower us. He asks us, as Pastor Danny spoke before, to give to his church. Not so he wants to take from us, but because he wants to protect us. He wants us living for an eternal kingdom, not being wrapped up in this earthly world that we live in today. He asks us to pray continually, not because he needs it, but so that we could see heaven come to earth. He asked us to serve so that we would be storing up an eternal reward. Everything he asks of us is for our betterment. It's not for him. It's because he is God and we are not. He knows us even better than we know ourselves. And we can trust what he asks of us. See, I love what Jeremiah 6 verse 16 says. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. His ways are the ancient paths, the paths that have been proved time and time again to set us up for a win. Are we looking for those paths? See, because when we understand obedience in the right way, that it's from this place of devotion, not obligation, we seek out what he's asking. We don't we're not just looking for the minimal. We're not just looking at just what's required to get me into heaven. No, we're looking at every chance. God, God, how are you wanting me to do this? How do you want me to navigate this? What are you saying in your word? What are you asking of me? In everything, we're coming from that filter of he knows best. So I need to seek out what he's asking of me because his way is secure. So in obedience that is founded in, in devotion, there's three things we're going to look at today. It's the first thing, it has undivided loyalty. Undivided loyalty. See, devotion to Jesus is not just a feeling that we have towards Him. It's not just this lovey-dovey, well, God, I just love you so much today, so I'm going to obey you. No, it's a deep commitment. It is a deep loyalty based on what He's done for us. There is something powerful about loyalty. See, in our household this Friday night, obviously, Calton was playing Sydney. Any blues fans here today? A few people. And so we have a divided household when it comes to footy. We go, Craig and I go for Geelong, but every single one of our other children have been brought by other people. Their loyalty has been completely brought, like unashamedly, Adrienne Mazzucchetti, unashamedly, our other children have been, and Joel Spiteri as well, have been completely brought. Our daughter Hope is so kitted out in Carlton stuff now. It is not funny. She's been never that kitted out in her entire life. She's got every piece of Carlton merch you could build, you could want. And easy, our son now has a little Guernsey, and he's into it. He's like, I don't support cats. Cats are the losing team. I go for Carlton now. And their loyalty has been completely bought. You know that our loyalty has been brought because of what Jesus did on that cross. He has given us life for eternity. He has given us no matter what we face on this earth, we have eternal hope. He has given us life, not death. He has saved us from eternity in hell and given us an eternity in heaven. He has saved us from fear. He has saved us from insecurities. He has saved us from our hopelessness, from depression. He is our savior. And because of that, he has brought our loyalty. And so it means that whatever we face, it's that sense of God, you've brought my loyalty. So I'm facing this. I'm walking this out with that sense of I'm running after you, Jesus. You have my full devotion. You have my full loyalty, no matter what my feelings are telling me, No matter what my emotions are telling me, no matter what the world is telling me around me, no matter what what I I want to chase in the natural, Jesus, you have my loyalty. See, so often I think we get caught up in disobedience because we chase other things that we think will fulfill us. We end up chasing wealth. So it causes us not to walk in wisdom because we're so desperate to achieve wealth. We end up chasing relationships, so it causes us to compromise on sexual purity. We end up chasing pleasure and comfort, so it causes us to compromise on living for our God purpose. We end up chasing career success, so it causes us to want to fit into culture and compromise again based on what people think rather than what God thinks. And we end up chasing what temporarily fills us, and we miss out on God's blessing for our lives. Everywhere through Scripture, obedience comes with God's blessing, but we end up chasing temporary things, and we miss the goodness of what is promised in eternity. Like Jesus said to that rich young man, he looked at him, and he loved him. He didn't tell him to leave all his riches just because Jesus wanted his wealth. He said, go give it to the poor, then come follow me, because you will have treasure in heaven. It was for the sake of that young man, but because treasure so had his heart, so had his devotion, he missed out on following Jesus. What things are we chasing that would rob us from living completely devoted to Jesus? What things have our heart that cause us to live in disobedience because we're chasing other things rather than the wonder of who Jesus is? Because all those temporary things will feel great in a moment, but leave us more and more empty, searching more and more, rather than living in the fullness of what Jesus has for us. I remember uh, wrestling with God about this whole topic of obedience when He asked us to move here to Melbourne, which is coming up 10 years ago. And I was at a conference uh, during the time, and God had so clearly spoken about moving to Melbourne. And I was wrestling with it, and I I was on an altar call, and I was saying to God, God, why are you asking this of us? No, we're leaving family. I'm having to put aside the thing that is most treasured to me, family. We've got a very big extended family. God, why are you asking of this? And I remember crying out to God, sobbing on this altar call. And so clearly God spoke to me and said, Nadia, I'm not interested in your comfort. I'm interested in your obedience because it's through your obedience that I'm released to move through you. And from that point, it was just a sense of, you know what, I'm never going to understand it, why God's asking this, but I've got to trust him and walk in obedience to him. And as I've done that, I've discovered that God knows me even more than I know myself. I can trust him with where he's leading, because even though I don't understand it, and that's the thing. We don't always understand what God is asking of us. Even though I don't understand, I'm gonna trust in your goodness. I'm gonna trust in your lordship. And I'm gonna keep walking out what you're asking of me, knowing that you are a good God. Because obedience, it means that he's released through me. And that's the greatest prize. The second thing in living... Obedience that is founded in devotion is that it lives surrendered to the word of God in every area. So the Hebrew word for obey means to hear and be under. means to hear and be under, to be submitted to God's ways, to not just listen to it, but to hear. See, I love what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27. It says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fail because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. See, I don't want to build my life on the rock. The rock that is Jesus, the rock of His Word, the rock that's going to stand secure, the rock that no matter what we are facing, we have His Word as our truth. Life is fragile. We've seen it with what Bryce is having to face at the moment and so many other things that I know congregation members are having to walk out. Life is fragile. And if we do not have the Word of God as our rock... If we do not have that security of this is what God says, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what others are saying around me, we will end up slipping away and not building our lives on the rock that we're meant to build our lives on. See, as Christians, there's this thing that we have that no matter what we are facing, we have His Word as our rock that will hold us secure, that will hold us strong. Come on, to be trusting in His Word. I love what James 1 this 22 to 25 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all that they do. Looking intently into the Word of God. See, the Word of God is meant to form us. It's not meant just to inform us. It's not meant just to speak to us. We're called to hear it and for it to transform us to change us. It's not meant to just be a pit stop that we go to when we need it, but it's a platform that we are called to build our lives on. It's a it's a God, I know I'm created in your image, but your word is what allows me to be formed into that image. Your word is what forms us, but I'm going to do this illustration, babes, if you can come up and help me. But so often what we do like that scripture says is that We start, you know, we we maybe go, if you can go over there, babes, we, we go, we look at scripture like this one here, like we're looking into a mirror. Psalm 139 verse 14, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We look into that scripture, but then we leave it there and we don't take it with us. And so we get caught up in everyday life, caught up in social media, caught up in how everybody is around us. And everyone around us is saying that this is the standard of what's beautiful. This is the standard of where you should be. This is what you should be doing with your life. And instead of carrying the Word with us, we end up taking on insecurity. We end up wearing insecurity because we haven't brought God's Word with us. Instead of just hearing the Word, taking it with us, we end up just reading it, just having it as a pit stop rather than a platform. Colossians 3 verse 13, we read it, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We read that, we listen to it, but we don't take it with us again. So we go into a normal life and, you know, someone's really great at us, And we end up talking to a friend about it. And then through that conversation, man, I'm justified with my unforgiveness. I'm totally justified. They don't deserve my forgiveness. And so we end up putting on unforgiveness because again, we haven't taken the word of God with us. We end up wearing what the world wants to throw at us rather than what God has for us. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. It's strong. But again, we just let it go in and let it go out. We don't take it with us. It's not a platform we're building our lives on. So we go to work and you know all the guys at work are talking dirty, like it's just what the world does. It's all right to flirt at work with a work colleague because you know, like it's what everybody does. And instead of taking the word of God with us, the word of God dwelling with us, the word of God being that standard that we live by, what forms us, we end up taking on compromise because, you know, it's just what everyone else is doing. It's just the normal. It's not going to hurt me. It's not going to be that bad. It's just a little bit of temptation. Then we go to the word and the word says in James 6 verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. We're not meant to battle. We're not meant to fight on our own. Confess to each other. Work this out together. But we just read that and we don't apply it. We don't activate it. And so we just end up getting busy with our lives again. And then we end up taking on other distractions because we don't really want to face what's going on in our lives. We just want to keep sweeping it under the rug and not really facing it not really encountering what we need to, doing life with others. And, and then, you know, maybe we just, we're, we're kind of, we really want a relationship. And God's word says in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 17, Don't you be wishing you were someplace else with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status defines your life. Man, how powerful is that? But the world today is telling me that I have to have a relationship and I'm desperate for a relationship and I so want someone to be there with me instead of Jesus being the prize, instead of Jesus being what defines me. We end up getting into complicated relationships. We end up, you know, just allowing complicated relationships to define our world because we end up again not allowing God's Word to form us. It's just information that's there, but it's not forming us. Then 1 John 4 verse 18, again, we look in the mirror of God's word. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. You know, we're facing stuff and the world, people are telling us stuff. And so we hear worst case scenario after worst case scenario. And again, we end up putting on fear instead of God's perfect love. Instead of dwelling, you can put it on top, babes, instead of dwelling, In his perfect love, we put on fear. And then we end up looking at ourselves in the mirror. And we're wearing all this stuff that we were never designed to wear. Because the word of God has just been in one ear and out the other. It hasn't been what's formed us. It hasn't been the foundation that we're called to live our lives on. It hasn't been that image that we're called to see ourselves. We'll see all these things, all these scriptures. These are the things we're called to take with us, to treasure, to hold in our heart, to meditate on, to keep dwelling on, because they give us life. They give us the image that Christ has called us to walk in. These are, sometimes I literally go to sleep holding my Bible because it's God's truth. It's a love letter to us. It's full of His promises for us. But if we just see God's Word as this obligation we've got to do, as this thing that we should do as Christians, it's never going to transform our life the way it's called to transform our life. It is there for our betterment. It's there to form us. It's there to give us life and life in its fullness. If we could just see the Word of God, how God designed it, to be released in our lives. Come on, why don't you give God a hand, eh? Get this stuff off. It's incredibly hot. How amazing is God's word? It is one of the greatest gifts to us. I love what Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, the word of God is alive, it's active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Jesus, keep speaking to us from your word. Keep forming us in your ways, not our ways, because he wants to set us up for the win. And If the band can join me, please. I'm gonna end on this point. Is an obedience that's out of devotion Is it keeps the first love alive. Revelation 2, verse 2 to 5. Jesus is speaking to the church and he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked people. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not have found them to be false. You've persevered and enjoyed hardships for my name. You've not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. You know, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we've got to keep igniting that first love. That first sense that we had where, gosh, God, you've set me free. You've redeemed me. You are just so, so, so good, Jesus. And we've got to have time where we are basking in prison in God's love. Because as we do that, obedience just flows more freely because we want to please our Father. We want to live out of this place that we love you so much, Lord. We know that you are there for our good and I want to follow you because you are so good. But if we don't have intentional times where well, we are in God's love, Christianity can very easily just turn into the place where we're doing it out of obligation rather than devotion. And what I would love today, why don't we all stand to our feet is I would love us to have time in the presence of the Holy Spirit right now. I'm gonna ask our, our leaders to be ready to pray for people and we're gonna open up the altar call today. And I would just love for you to come forward if you just need a fresh sense of His presence, a fresh sense of His touch. See, I love what Romans 5 verse 5 says, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The amazing truth that when we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, God's love reaches us. God's love fills us. God's love speaks to us. And I would just love us to have a moment just being refreshed in God's love being overwhelmed in the goodness of His love again, knowing how incredible He is, remembering what He saved us from, remembering His goodness, remembering His favour towards us, remembering His grace, remembering how much He did for us on that cross, remembering the goodness of our God. So Jesus, Holy Spirit, we ask You right now that You would move. Holy Spirit, I pray that You'd come and You'd meet every single person here with just the freshness of Your love. That, God, our obedience to You would come out of that place of just knowing how much You love us. You, We love because You first loved us. And I just pray right now that You would pour out Your love in a new way. God, that You would counter each and every one of us with just an overwhelming sense of Your presence, Your Holy Spirit, and that it would ignite a fresh love in our hearts for You, a freshness of relationship with You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.